Good evening. My name is Mike Murley, and welcome to WPKN's Mic Check, coming to you on WPKN every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Welcome to everyone listening at 89.5 FM on your radio dial, and welcome to everyone streaming live or tuning into our podcast at WPKN.org. Each week on Mic Check, one of our hosts examines global, national, and regional issues and their effect on our local community. Just as the phrase mic check was used to mobilize people to create a human microphone during the Occupy movement, this weekly program seeks to amplify our community's many voices and bring them to the airwaves. Mic check is followed on WPKN at 6 p.m. by another public affairs program, the Ralph Nader Radio Hour. And I'm very excited tonight and honored to welcome to the show Jazz and Vicky from Justice for Jason. Jazz is the sister of 15-year-old Jason Negron, who was murdered by Bridgeport police officer James Boulay on May 9th, 2017. And since Jason's murder, Jazz has been leading the Justice for Jason movement, demanding justice for her brother's life. There have been many protests here in Bridgeport and all across the state of Connecticut, as well as grassroots organizing that has shifted the way policing is discussed here in the state. Jazz and Vicki, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having us. Thank you both so much. I, as always, wish that we had, um, that the show was longer than half an hour, but since we have only half an hour um, to talk about everything, I figured we would just jump right into it. Michaela from Justice for Jason was on the show on June 21st, right after um, the encampment that happened. And for anyone listening that hadn't heard about it or is unfamiliar, there, in the midst of, of the nationwide uprising, um, after George Floyd's murder in Minneapolis, there, were, there was a, um, an encampment that took place um, organized by Justice for Jason um, outside the Bridgeport Police Department. And after that, that encampment ended, Michaela from Justice for Jason was on this show and, um, and spoke really powerfully about that. Um, but so I was wondering, Jazz, if you could talk a little bit um, really quick about the encampment in June, how it came about, and what took place? Yeah. Um, so being transparent, we didn't really plan to stay outside the police department. Um, but I just remember vividly when we got to the police department, we had organized that follow-up um, protests to be outside. And people, we had a lot of people with us who had typically not been coming out, you know, like when we were coming for Jason, when we were coming out for Jason and Corbin and other people who have been impacted by police violence in the city. And I just remember feeling like, oh, I, we've done this. You know, we've been outside this police department demanding to speak to this chief of police who at the time was AJ Perez. And I was just like, he doesn't care. No one cares. Like, I know that like this moment right here when we leave is going to repeat itself. You know, like we're going to have to just keep doing this. And I was like, there has to be something different. And I was like, should we stay? And I kind of said it in a joking manner, but then everybody was like, yeah, we should really stay. And I was like, all right, like, then let's stay. Like, let's actually stay out here. So we literally created like this whole community um, for the next seven days, and so many things um, obviously happened, but that's really how it, it came to be. And Jazz, can you, um, if you can, talk a little bit about, you know, or expound upon the, the community that you, um, that you just said, because, it was, you know, it was so powerful. It was such an incredible 
thing to because like you said it was different it was it, you know you know there had been protests outside the police the station before there had been um you know like trying you know all kinds of different things and but this was different like you said this was like hadn't really been done before <laughs> um and being you know ha having been there it was a really incredible thing to witness and and experience like all the you know um so if if we if you could just talk a little um could you talk a little bit about some of the the things that took place in terms of yeah. that community mm -hmm. so basically it was it was we were all there for a very direct purpose you know we came into um we came into that space we had already created demands when we actually were um outside the police department for the action um and then we carried over those demands into the space obviously when we stayed um but a lot of the time that we were in this in the space you know it was like us trying to negotiate with city council and these people in positions of power to say we're really not going to leave until we have something concrete like we're not going to allow you to continue to do the same things that you're doing we need concrete, you know, solutions, resolutions, or whatever that is. Um, so obviously along that time, while that was happening, you have people literally sleeping, like, outside the police department. And the sense of community that was created there was something that I, I – there's, like, no words that can describe it for me. Um, and so many moments that are going to, like, just impact it, I think, so many of our lives. And for me, like, seeing the way that we came together to create this space um, that was not reliant on police, how when situations arose, we were, again, not reliant on police. We, you know, um, many times intervened in situations where police tried to come in contact with somebody who was in the space, and we were like, that's not happening. You know, really creating this world that we speak of wanting um, away from police and away from the carceral state and um yeah even just having you know watching movies out together having a library having a healing space having things that people um along these seven days had like access to was beautiful and that's what our community should look like always thank you for for that jazz yeah that was like you talked about the conflict resolution and the kind of being able to exist outside of any need for uh, for these systems that just perpetuate harm in our communities, and it really did it illuminate, I think, for a lot of people, what you know, what defund the police means and, and really looks like, and how that how that reality could be, how our realities could be changed and can look different and feel different. Um, yeah, I would actually like to touch on that. Um, so I born and raised in Bridgeport in the East End. I went to Bridgeport Public Schools my whole life. And um, I remember I had seen on Instagram, somebody shared um, just a random post that said, Jason Negron is the George Floyd of Bridgeport. And then a couple, like, I don't know, a week or so later, and I heard about the protest. And, um, you know, based off of what the mass media has done to everybody, um, but, but how mass media is set up in America and these, these fears that are perpetuated and these societal norms that are upheld, um, I didn't know what to expect when I went down to the encampment. So that first night, I just brought down chairs and blankets 
And when I got there and I saw what it was and I asked, what else do you need? I don't live that far. And they said, we need people. That's really what we need. I was like, all right, I'm going to get my sleeping bag. I'll I'll be right back. And to watch it turn into, you know, a couple pop-up tents and, you know, sleeping in this little pile with, with the with the police, you know, trying to do different fear tactics t- towards us to watch it turn into a full-blown com- community where we, and, and, and to know that everything was COVID safe. You know, we had, we had a job board where we had people going around and disinfecting all the time. We had a food station. Um, we had a community closet. We had, um, what else? We had, um, well, well, I guess my point is, I decided to uh, help facilitate this healing and mental health space. And I was actually able to get licensed mental and behavioral health professionals to come down and work with members of our community. And I had said this to city council in our public forum during the encampment, which took, it took us six nights of sleeping outside the Bridgeport police station for city council to even listen to us. And we pay their salaries. It's just insane to think about that. But I said to them, that whole experience proves that healing is the answer to Bridgeport's problems and not the police. We had a a woman come out of, of jail who had just gotten arrested, who was brought over to this healing and mental health space right after I finished setting it up. We had no idea that she had some type of psychosis. We had to figure that out with the medics. And we also didn't know that she's the daughter of a police officer. And and it wasn't until, you know, we were able to get her family to come and get her and, like, just the whole experience with her. And, like, you know, I taught her very simple breathing techniques. And, like, she was, like, crying, leaving our little community, saying they they care about me. They're, they're teaching me. They're helping me, Dad. And that brought tears to my eyes of, like, you know, I've never felt a sense of community living in Bridgeport my entire life. And just we really did build this this reflection of what it could look like without the police. And it felt so safe knowing that the police weren't allowed there, even though, you know, we were kettled in by them. Thank you so much for for sharing that, Vicki. And really quick, if you're just joining us, my name is Mike Murley, and the name of this program is Mike Check. And you're listening to WPKN Radio, 89.5 FM in Bridgeport, and streaming at WPKN.org. And I'm in conversation right now with Jazz and Vicky from Justice for Jason. And Jazz and Vicky have just been going over, um, and we've been talking about the, the encampment that took place outside of the Bridgeport Police Department in June, um, just a few months back. So... So Jazz and Vicky, thank you both so much for everything that you've shared already. And so after the kind of bouncing off of what you were just saying, Vicky, after the encampment ended, um, you know, they, the city council agreed finally to meet six of the demands put forth by Justice for Jason. And this, of course, also, in you know, like we were just talking about, was in the context of the immediate wake of George Floyd's murder by the Minneapolis police and the mass protests um, and the uprising all across Connecticut and the rest of the country, of course, in the middle of a pandemic as well. But the Justice for Jason movement had been going strong for three years. And Vicki, you just said it took six days for the city council to to listen, six days of sleeping out in front of the police station. And, you know, the Justice for Jason movement had been going, it had been three years since, you know, since Jason's murder by the Bridgeport police. And really there hadn't been much of anything done in the, in the way of accountability. And so 
Jazz, Vicky, um, whoever wants to take this question, um, why do you think it took a pandemic and a nationwide uprising against police for elected officials in Bridgeport to finally start to think about their role within the city and the power that they that they actually have within a city that has been rife with police brutality and injustice for decades? Um, I, I'll start by saying that I just have such a negative um view of the city council based on the things and the behavior that they have displayed obviously to to me over the years um following the when when the nationwide protests really were at, like you know every single day that was that was what was on the news um the city council actually proposed to do a chokehold band and a knee uh a knee um, banned. That was that was going to be like their big resolution to speak about what was going on nationwide. And when we were outside, you know, um, at the protest, I remember people in the crowd literally being like, that's not the way Jason was killed. That's not the way Corbin was killed. That's not the way that Carnell was killed. You know, people in that moment were even naming like, you know, people who had it had come up before were like, what does that do for us? What are those bands that shouldn't even be allowed to begin with going to do to resolve anything when it comes to the people who've actually been impacted here in this city? So I think that they really own, I don't think that they really cared, even though that was going on nationwide. I think that they wanted to do one of the, uh, their infamous publicity stunts, and we forced their hand to have to do something different. I don't think that they would have done it without um, our, our push. Yeah, I also would just like to add that, and I think this kind of leads into where this is going, that they really... What they did after the uh, city council's response to the Bridgeport protest encampment with the with the uh, so-called demands that have been met was so performative. It's not even funny. Like considering the action that we held on Friday and the fact that um, I, I don't want to get I don't want to jump ahead here, but um, the demands that we were supposed to have met have not been met, and they also are trying to um, kind of do some sneaky things around it. And I think that's a big part of why we're here today to try to discuss that as well, because they really haven't changed. And the little bit of change that they're showing, um, it, I feel that it's very performative. Yeah, I remember even the when they finally came out with that resolution and they and they made it public, that city council resolution that you were talking about, Jazz and 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 Vicky, um, the. The resolution itself didn't really even there was like no acknowledgement of the the work that justice that the justice for Jason movement has been doing for the past three years um, or that like or kind of what has happened since Jason's murder and Corbin's murder. It was it, I think there was even wording of something along the lines of like some people were sleeping outside of the police department. It was like such a weird <laughs> it's like, how can you not acknowledge the fact that the you know who these people are? They've been the same like activists and organizers that have been. Like, I don't know. Anyway, but I just bouncing off of what you were both saying, it was just, yeah, I remember, I remember that. And, um, yeah. So, um, but like you were saying, like there's, you know, there's been things, things happening, um, since then. And so, um, yeah, I know that I know the past several months since, since June, since the encampment, there has been organizing and protests happening, um, in, in Bridgeport and throughout Connecticut. 
can you talk more about some of some of um, what has been happening um, that Justice for Jason has been doing? Um, so following the when we ended the occupation, um, Idi Nieves, who's the city council president, she, again, with her performative behavior, was like, we really need the people. You know, like, we want to do this. The city council wants to do this. But, you know, people are just not coming to the table. And they're actually, you know, that was her excuse. And which was like, come on, like, you know, that's not real. But she was basically trying to be like, as long as we have the same momentum with people, we're going to move forward in that same light. So we were on every single Zoom because that's where the city council meetings are being taken place right now. We were on all of these Zoom calls, you know, a bunch of us. Like, I can literally remember us packing out Michaela's basement and all being on these Zoom calls and watching Ganem look a mess and all the other corrupt city council members look a mess. And we were just like, nothing is going on here. Like, there's no conversation being had. The resolutions got moved over to um, a subcommittee of the uh, city council, which was the the public safety and transportation subcommittee. And that committee is supposed to now be taking on these resolutions and working through to see them to see our demands through, they have been tabled every single month by Adi Nieves. And really what's happened is that they've created this backdoor, like secret door meeting, um, roundtable discussion that they have with people in the city of Bridgeport um, that, you know, don't, first of all, weren't even with us, you know, when it came to demanding change by the police department. And then you have the actual police there. And then you have the actual police union and you have the actual city council members who have been going against the community for years at this table. So it just really doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't see how you're going to try to meet our demands without us at that table. And I remember ID saying, y'all need to be a part of this moving forward. And then it's like, okay, well, we tried to, and you literally block us out. Like, we literally came to your house on Friday to, to, to try to hold you accountable for these demands that, in case you forgot, you gave us in writing, and you told us that you're out shopping. So you care more about going out shopping during a pandemic than you do about actually doing the work for the people of Bridgeport. And and Jazz had said um, on Friday that it, it shouldn't be a fight. You know, if you're the city council, you're supposed to be the voice of the people of Bridgeport. If we don't want somebody to represent us or if we don't want um, somebody working within the city of Bridgeport and we have the community support behind it, whether it's petitions or demands literally written from city council, then then it shouldn't be a fight. And you should just listen. And and the community, the community and, and community care and safety and community needs need to come first and city council uh seal has always put that last and so can you um vicky could you talk a little bit more about about that that rally that took place um so this was just a couple days ago just two days ago on friday um there was um, a rally outside of city council president Idi nieves's house um because of her because of the overall lack of action and um, it's, and I know a lot of it has to do with a lack of really action on the demands that they said that they were going to, um, like you were just talking about, Jazz, like move forward on following the encampment that they agreed to. Um, and so could you talk a little bit more about Friday's rally, Vicki? Sure. Um, yeah, so on Friday, we organized outside of Idi Nieves' house. She's the president of the Bridgeport City Council. And uh, we had a number of issues to discuss. 
Uh, I think that, you know, partially it's trying to hold them accountable about the demands. We had some new demands we wanted to talk about tonight, too. Um, and also we wanted to address the secret roundtable. And especially because, um, you know, it's, it's, it's closed from the public. It's closed from residents of Bridgeport, but police are there and police union are there. And they want to use terminology like we're not going to we don't want to say we're defunding the police. We want to say that we're reallocating money. That language is really, really problematic for a number of reasons. But the best way that I can explain it, when we say defund the police, we mean defund the police. But we do we mean that in the sense of divest from the police and invest into the community, invest into mental and behavioral health, the public school system, public health, housing, um, um, food, you know, food security. And so um, at the action on Friday, we wanted to talk about how the police cannot be reformed. Um, we've been doing that for the past 50 something years and every time they get more money and they get more power. And so um, Part of this action was us trying to talk about um, what we want to do with the money and also about the conversation that we should be in. You know, how are you going to have a, a conversation to meet our demands without us being there with people that aren't completely, you know, properly educated about who the police really are? You know, like Jazz, myself, other members of Justice for Jason, we are we're educated. We've dedicated our lives to this. We're always researching. You know, I think people a lot of times think that protesters are just um, just like unangry. I mean, are just angry, like uneducated, like trying to cause like chaos and we just hate the police and it's like no there's a there's a history here there's research here there's facts there's a modern day system that's based off of a certain legacy and people aren't critically thinking enough and they're not caring enough and a lot of that is from them getting misinformation over many years thank you both and really quick because i want to make sure we we get to the the next few questions um do you have the the current demands as of right now handy Yes. So um, when we were outside Idy's house, we ended up, um, we, what we wanted to do was give her like actual steps that we believe that she can take by the end of the year pertaining to our demands. So although our original demands and then the demands, so we have our original demands, then we have the demands that they promised us. But then when we um, were outside of her house, we isolated it down to one, defunding the police. And we the, the action that we wanted along with that was that whatever conversation, whatever manner in which she has started that process to have that conversation it needs to be community-led one community-led by people who understand the system of policing and understand the prison industrial complex and it needs to be completely transparent right anybody should be able to see what is the conversation that's being had there the next thing that we wanted was pertaining to Aneda Martinez so Aneda Martinez is a councilwoman in the city of Bridgeport who is directly affiliate uh, connected to um, a murder that occurred in her strip club. So 21-year-old Nair was murdered in Aneda Martinez's strip club that was only allowed to be open through 
her power. So she used her power as a city council member to open this strip club where she was illegally selling alcohol, where she was illegally selling a lot of other things out of. And in this strip club where no one was being checked to go, like no one was being checked at the door to see if there was firearms, Nair was actually murdered inside. And she is directly connected to why that happened. And she should just be removed. There has been a change.org petition created um, to remove Anita Martinez from the city council that has over 3,000 signatures. Um, so she needs to go. The next thing that was on the demands was the um, removal of the gang database. Um, the gang database is a whole other area that we have a lot of information on that needs to be talked about too, but the gang unit in the um, Bridgeport Police Department shouldn't exist, and they are directly responsible for almost every single murder that's happened in the city. And then the other um, demand that we, uh, and the resolution, the action step that we had with the gang database is that we want the Bridgeport Police Department to provide a written notice for every single person in the last 20 years who has been labeled under some database a gang member. And then um, the last one was the removal of school resource officers in the city of Bridgeport. Um, and there's a lot of information right now nationwide. People can literally Google why, you know, school resource officers should be removed and the harm that they cause. Um, and especially right now that we are not even actually in school um these school research officers are doing absolutely nothing except for surveilling um kids so we just want them completely removed and having that funding moved towards mental health um resources such as counselors i also just want to add in that the gang database is not a real thing it's not like gangs that you would typically think of as gangs that people are scared of it's connected to the student resource officers who are police and the and the school to prison pipeline and it's completely based off of racial profiling like it, it's it's like like let's pick an area of Bridgeport and call it like the this boys, the that boys, and then the student resource officers who have access to uh, students' private information literally like stalk kids and turn them and like get them involved into this failed criminal justice system. And it's just like using bodies for mass incarceration, which is really just a modern day form of slavery. So there's like a lot of deep layers here that when people hear us use certain language or when um, when they hear the things we, we want to do, they need to um, do something. They need to have an open mind, think critically, um, not just about what we're saying, but about what they believe to be true. And they need to start doing their research because um, and, and, and come to us, ask us questions. Like, we would love to share this information because it's, it's really important. And that's exactly what I was going to ask next is uh, for anyone who's listening right now and who wants to help but doesn't know how to get involved or where to start, what would you say to them? Um, I would say that um, we have a lot of ways that you can connect with us on social media. Um, we have the Justice for Jason Facebook. We have the um, Justice for Jason Instagram. Um, you know, there's uh, there's there's so many actions that you know we always put on in Bridgeport. And I think our main avenue of communicating definitely is through like Facebook, Instagram. Um, but like literally, please, we we say this all the time, like. You know, just informing yourself on what we're saying and, and not jumping to the ideology that's been um, embedded in us to believe, you know, actually doing the deeper understanding of why these things are harmful and violent. Um, and, yeah, and please feel, like, really motivated and pushed to um, 
you know, get involved in your community and, and the different areas that you're interested in. Thank you, Jazz. I wish we had more time. <laughs> we have just a, like a minute left. Um, so, Jazz, you know, obviously where it all starts um, in so many ways is, um, at least with, for so many of us, is with, with Jason, um, with your brother. And so I was wondering if there's a, a, a thought that you would like to close out with about Jason. Yeah, um, I would like to to say that, you know, over the, the course of three years, the power that we have taken back from the system in Jason's name um, sparked, I think, such a, such a change in the city of Bridgeport and connecting, you know, Jason to so many other people that had been taken before him and, and then even after him. And, to, you know, for me, he's my center and my heart, and I know how proud him and each person who's no longer with us is, is watching down on us and wanting us to continue to fight for them. Jazz, Vicky from Justice for Jason, thank you both so much for being on the show tonight and for all the work you continue to do to fight for Justice for Jason, as well as for the many other victims of Bridgeport Police and victims all across Connecticut. Thank you for not just dreaming of a better Bridgeport and a better world, but actively organizing and giving everything you have to bringing that to reality. Thank you for the update on the movement and the progress with the, with the demands, and I hope we can continue this conversation again soon here on Mic Check. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you both. Hope you have a great rest of your night. Thank Bye. You.